This episode of Into the Boundary is powered by Soma Movements and Therapeutics, as well as Samp Fitness. If you enjoy our episodes, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Think Well Productions, for exclusive content. Into the Boundary is also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Into the Boundary. We going into the boundary, into the boundary, going into the boundary, huh? We going into the boundary, into the boundary, going into the boundary, huh? They say we going you into the boundary, shut up and dribble. Finish your career, you stuck in the middle. Figured it out, that you stuck with the riddle. Broke your body down, got stuck in the spittle. Might have had pro dreams, and you made it to the top. Might have make it to the lead, but you made it off the block. They were screaming your name, they were screaming your name. Lifetime dreams is to get in the game. Now you up in your dorm, trying to take and get playing. Got a lot on your plate, do it right for the fam. Do it right for the fans, got it right in your hands. Everybody can't go, falling out with your man. Falling out with your man, they never understand. What you going through, they never understand. What you dream about, they never understand. When we clear it up, I hope you understand. We just put and it's out, you never heard the stuff on how I blew the bag and I spurs and stuff. Used to be the man, I never heard it cuz And today we're going into the boundary with a fourth round draft pick in the 2010 NFL draft. All city selection, all state selection, all region. Played his college football career at IUP, where he was a two-time Division II All-American, two-time all PSAC selection. In his junior season, he recorded eight interceptions, seven coming in the last four games of the season. Crazy. Was selected to the East-West Shrine game. Legend has it, he ran the fastest 40 time at his pro day at Ohio State with a 4.34 40 time. Crazy. Has played for the Dallas Cowboys, Jacksonville Jaguars, Oakland Raiders, and the Detroit Lions. Finishing his career in the CFL, Capturing a Great Cup championship. Legendary. AOA. A quasi. A wusu. Answer. Yeah, so a little version of this. Yeah, go ahead. So we drive to Columbus, Ohio. I have never been to Ohio. I've never been past Pittsburgh. So we drive to West Virginia, Ohio. We over that way. Yeah. Then we get there. We get we pull up to your, your sister's house. is amazing. And this is day one. Is it? No, day two. It's day two. Day two of the draft. Day two of the draft. Yeah. So we we there in Ohio. Super nice house. We in there eating. You know. And I think your your personality at the time was just like you were just cool. You were just like, <clears throat> well, it's not really supposed to be my day, but if it do, it's it's okay. You had that yeah. little nonchalant attitude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after it didn't happen that day, you can see it start to turn. The anxiety start to turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The anticipation starts to turn. The next day, you're talking about you wake up before all of us because you have to be up, obviously, yeah, for the draft. Yeah, and I think I kind of was watching you, and I'm telling you right now, you turned into like two, three, four different people, bro. For real? You was like, 
this, you woke up happy, like, yo, this is my day. And then it turned into, like, man, why they lie to me, man? Like, they, why my phone ain't ringing? And he was kind of like, man, am I even good enough? Like, I'm better than bull. Like, yeah. it, was like, it was like all these different people. And it really was just the anxiety. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, 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 but you're not really that. Like, yeah. that's, your person is like, way, way back. Like, look, everybody get these roses. It's like, but I perform better than they. Yeah. Like you was, you was saying, man, why they lie to me? You like dropped the phone. For real? <laughs> you was like in your back. Yeah. You were like slouching in the chair. Yes, like, I remember that. Yeah. yeah I remember. You, you was like, you was all these things, bro. I remember slouching, and that's when I asked, like, yo, who's next? That's what I remember specifically. Bro, it's, it's crazy because, like, you was just, you was like over it. You was yeah. like over it because the, the emotional, uh, because we were kind of, I think me and you was kind of up, and it was like the next team. It's, Bengals, this one, and I'm like, then the Eagles, you know, Philly, yeah. Eagles, Eagles, you know what I mean, <laughs> we, you know what I mean, Cowboys come up, and then Cowboys, he like, my phone ringing, yo, my phone ringing, <laughs> <laughs> my phone ringing, yeah. and then you start trying to, and, I, and then and it's already on the TV, like the phone call not even simultaneous with yeah, the TV, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm like, oh my God, they're going to highlight he running the kick against that bro, I'm like, yo. Come on, Tyler. And we go nuts. Yeah, yeah. He ain't here like this, like. I'm a, yes, I'm proud of the cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's funny. Hey. We all, and I remember you just like, after you hung up the phone, you kind of like ran and jumped in the middle of the basement. We all jumped around. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Yo, it's like one of my favorite memories of life, bro. That joke's crazy. You talk about life experiences, man. That's wonderful. And I would love, that's a good, man. I would love to hear other people's draft. But yeah, man, that was legendary, man. And to share it, and I tell people, I think I've interviewed a couple of times um, before, and they asked me, like, you know, because it wasn't the typical draft day experience. I feel like, man, that moment is priceless, man. Like, if you couldn't have it any other way, that's the way I want it to be. Like, just chilling, no pressure. As far as, like, being in front of the TV, it just, you know, obviously I was stressing, but... Um, like man, to have it with your homies and like you know your your people's upstairs just casually like you know you know just you know what I'm saying and my brother came through we out there like just going crazy bro that was like yeah one hundred percent the best ones. Was you were were you relieved excited like what was the emotions? Hell yeah, I was definitely relieved. I was more relieved than anything to know I was going to the Cowboys was even crazier. You know at that time like I never. It was just Pittsburgh. I think maybe I went to Philly during the college, but it was just Pittsburgh on Ohio. Like, mm-hmm. I'm about to move to Dallas. Like, and I remember doing my interviews. Like, so before the draft, you fly to different cities to meet with coaches and stuff. And I remember I, I just finished surgery. So I flew to Dallas before. I flew to Chicago. Um, maybe some I don't remember. But, like, you know, moving from Indiana, PA to uh, Dallas is, like, huge. bro. You know what I'm saying? And, and that 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 whole experience was just like, yo, I'm going to the Cowboys, bro. Like they always on TV. And the year before, dude, they was nice. You know, remember they went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that's when, uh, oh, you're Eagles saying. <laughs> I think that's when um when they fumbled the ball and up uh, the extra point. I think that was the year before. Romo, yeah. yeah. So I think that trash. happened before. And, um, trash. So that was a, that was a we the anticipation for what they was going to do in the next year was crazy. So I was like, yo, that was that was a good time. Good time for sure. You know, um, so damn, you really got drafted, bro. I just relived that whole thing in my head. That's yeah, crazy. That, 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 but we went out that night, we had a good time that night, you know. Yeah, so that was some yeah, some funny stuff of that night. I probably 
<laughs> I don't know what you're going to tell for that night, bro. No, no, I ain't going to bring it too much. But that was a fun night. That was a fun night. The fellas had a good time. The fellas had a good time. Some classic stories that that, that would go on her. Yeah. For sure. But, uh, got to be PC at the moment. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Cass, Cass is married and all that. I remember, uh, I remember, like, pulling up to the club. I remember I was still new. Like, I, like, my, my homie, like, one of my, my, my dearest childish friends, right? My cousin Dex, he, you know, he, he, he more natural with the club. So I don't know if you remember, we went to the club and I was like, uh, <laughs> cause they were like, I heard someone on the radio, like, yo, free for all the draft picks or something like that. Cause I, I, I don't know if people signed free agents at that time or something like that. There was a couple other players from club at that time. And I remember, I remember pulling up to the club and I was like, literally, I was like, yo, I heard draft picks get in free. And she was like, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they were, they were like, what? I was like, I heard draft picks getting free. I didn't really know how to, like, finesse it, you know what I mean? And then she was like, no, but we ended up still going in there and having a good time or whatever. But, um, but yeah, that night was, was classic. We got some funny, funny stories. Um, yeah, we have another picture in the driveway. Remember the picture in the driveway we took? Another classic joint. So, yeah, man, that was that was a that was I, I'm just so much better now compared to that. And I don't like any of the pictures. But you know that was a moment for you, so we gonna <laughs> relive the pictures for you. Um, talk about you know going down to you know the Cowboys that type of organization. What was it like being a part of that team? Yeah, uh, I mean Dallas Cowboys is obviously um, first class organization as far as you know media. So they're always on TV. It's always gonna be on the news or sports center. Obviously, you see it still to this day. So. Um, now nah, it was cool. Coming from a small program to the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think you can get any bigger. Um, so it was dope. It was it was super dope. I, I felt, you know, starstruck. I remember Terrence Newman, um, which is a good friend. Um, he he was like number six, one of the highest DBs ever drafted in NFL history. And my locker was right next to him. And I remember seeing uh, being right next to his locker. It was crazy. I don't think I was ever really starstruck, but these people that you see, DeMarcus Ware, Tony, Tony Romo, Miles Austin, you're like, damn, I'm in the same locker room with these boys. Like, they right there. So, like, if anything, I felt starstruck was probably within the first week. And after that, you realize these people are, are normal people. And I don't think, you know, it's been that way ever since. Like, yo, these are normal people. Like, normal people, like, when you're doing conditioning drills and you beating these people and you run with these people, you like, yo, I can play with these boys. Like, you know what I'm saying? So um, that's a cool feeling um, to know. And that's, I guess that's more from a small school guy perspective because you you're not around <laughs> these players like other big schools are. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, going to the Cowboys was, was super dope. What was your role when you first got there? You know, did you really get the opportunity to get on a – Field defensively, yeah, special teams. I, yeah, I was a special team guy for the most part. Most of my career, I was a, a special team guy in, in the NFL. Um, um, yeah, I came in with an injury, so I was like rehabbing a, a, my shoulder, shoulder injury. But I ended up playing that that year. Um, I was like a returner. Me and Dan split. Um, I was a gunner. So all the special teams, I played it on four special teams. That was my role. Um, at the time, young DBs wasn't playing on the Cowboys. We had some veteran DBs um, like Mike Jenkins, Terrence Newman, and Jared Sensorball. I think I forgot who the other safety. Maybe Allen Ball or uh, I don't know. We had some. Uh, everybody has that was in the secondary been there for like a couple years. Um, so we had we had uh, 
we had some solid like DBs. And at the time, like now when I watch the Cowboys, there a lot of young DBs played. I, I almost wish, you know, I was able to to be in that position. But um, yeah, not a lot of not a lot of, D, not a lot of young DBs were playing. You got to make your way up through special teams. Um, but yeah, so I was a special team guy. And how many how many years you spent down there? I think two, two, two to three. Um, off and on, I was on IR. The second year, I was like pre squad on, on, then off and on the roster. I think I went, I went through one more training camp, and then that was it. But basically, my NFL career in a nutshell, I was with the Cowboys. Then I went to the Jaguars. Then I went to the Raiders. Then I finished in uh, Detroit, and that was over the span of four years. So for four, four and a half, league going into my fifth. Um, and yeah. I got so many questions at this point right here. <laughs> so I'm going to let them go. Yeah. The first time, not that you went to practice squad or not that you went to IR, what was it like the first time you got cut from organization? Ooh, that's a good question. Good question. Um, it hurt. <laughs> it hurt? It hurt. It hurt. I remember... I remember specifically where I was when I first got cut. I was in the parking lot of Jason's Deli, and that was after after my second year, first year. One of them, I was in the parking lot of Jason's Deli, and I remember getting a call from Jason Garrett, and was like, "Hey, we're releasing you." Um, they ended up signing me back, but at this at the time, I was like, "Yo, I didn't know what to do." I was like, hearing the, getting cut was like one of the things you obviously know that can happen, but getting cut was like. Like, yo, my world is over. Like, and for a lot of people, that's how it feels. And I'm glad it happened that early and in the way it did because it put, I, it changed my whole perspective on the game. Like, my whole, I think where I'm at now, where I'm at now, all stems from that first time being cut. Because um, you're, you're expendable. You, you, you think, you know, you have so much stock in, invested in you, but you're very expendable. Um, and it's just an everlasting will. Every year, new players are just coming in. It's just, it's just crazy. It's like a, really like a, like, it's just an everlasting will of, of great athletes just coming in, right? So, yeah, first time I got cut, I was I was in the parking lot of Jason Deli. I got the call, and I was just like, yo, what happened next? I remember calling my agent, um, and it was just like, yo, he was just like, calm down, you know what I mean? Like, calm down. I was just like, yo, the world... I thought the world was over. Like, what am I going to do? What's next? You know what I'm saying? Like, does it happen? Like, how often does, you know what I'm saying? I was just, like, out of wax. But after that, um, and I didn't, like I said, I ended up, they didn't sign me back on P-Squad. You know, it it changed my whole perspective. I was able to grasp things a whole lot better. So every time I got cut afterwards, it didn't hurt as much. And I realized this, this this is part of the business. This is part of the business. And... If you don't take advantage of what you can do to help start your transition, you won't um, you won't do it. So um, that helped that helped everything. So like when I left the IEP to train, I still had a semester left. Um, after that, that that started the ball of getting my uh, finishing my degree um, and started. I've been networking. I'm a networking king. I've been networking ever since. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I knew one day I'm not gonna get that call back. So. Yeah, getting cut was crazy. Getting cut was crazy. Uh, but I'm so thankful that I won't say I'm thankful that it happened, but it was just one of the things like you learn from and it helps give you a better picture of the future. Now, um, talk a little bit about, you know, um, being close 
I don't know if you got your the pension or the minimum amount of games. So talk about that process. Yeah. So basically, yeah, I want to say you need. I'm three games away. Um, I'm three games away of getting the pension. Um, but um, obviously, I've been set up, you know, for the future to have a head start with with, with everything. So. Um, yeah, I'm, it's something that you you want you want to get, but it's something that I'm not tripping on. Um, it, but, it, but the average the average career in the NFL is like three three years, three and a half years, and that pension kind of kicks in around four. So, which is kind of uh, ironic, right? Like, oh, so yeah, I end up being three games away. And you don't feel no type of way about that. I mean, is this one of the things? Like, how much is the pension worth at that that minimum amount of time? Man, I don't know the exact details, but it's something that you definitely benefit you, obviously, right? Right. And the more years after the, it, it, uh, the more years you play, if you play eight to ten years, the pension is, is super incredible, right? Anything less, I want to say, you know, any years is great, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not salty about it, but it's just something that, you know, it does happen. A lot of people, I just look at it as like people don't even get the opportunity to have the chance to, so, play. to play or to even play as long as I did. So, Am I going to be mad that I didn't get that close? You know what I'm saying? It's just one of the things I just take it as as, as it is. You know? Do you think it's like an organizational thing? Like they don't want to be responsible? Because I hear a lot of guys get to that cusp and all of a sudden can't make a roster. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of a lot of things. It's, it's the reason why uh, the average um, career is that long. Um, one, maybe because of that. But two, usually around that time, you're due for a second contract. So if you haven't established yourself, in the league, or as a, as a, what's your role? What type of player are you? Are you a starter? Are you a special teams guy? If you haven't really established yourself during that time, you're replaceable by a younger guy mm. that can do the same thing you are, the same thing you do. So if you're a guy who's like, yo, this person can probably play uh, and be a solid role player or a solid starter, that's when the second contract talks come in. So you know, usually you sign a four year deal your rookie year. Um, so that's why the average is about three and a half because if you're not up for your second contract or you, if they don't feel, then you know what's the point of keeping it? You know, um, when when you played in NFL, whether you played who you thought was nice that you played against or played with is the question. Yeah, so my rookie year, I remember specifically rookie year, um, AP was balling and Deshaun Jackson was eating. Like Deshaun Jackson, he I remember if you remember playing against the Cowboys and he like basically backpedaled in. Mm-hmm. I remember when he had that long yeah. run? That was like miles my rookie year. And he's super little. But I remember people used to ask him, like, yo, who the real is? I was like, yo, Deshaun Jackson. I think that's the year he returned that punt too against, against the Giants. Giants yeah. I'm like, Deshaun Jackson is real. And he was <laughs> and he little. I was just like, yo, he is super real. So um, he was super dope. Deshaun Jackson was real. AP obviously is was super real. Des Bryant is probably the most talented player that I ever played with. Super talented. He this probably catches in practice that people would never see, but he had some crazy, crazy catches in practice. Um, and uh, Calvin Johnson was super dope. He was like, you know, he was like LeBron and Pads. You know what I mean? He was, <laughs> he was solid, like. Yo, this is Calvin Johnson, you know what I'm saying? So, um, personally, I think I'm one of the most talented people I ever played with was Des Bryant. Um, seen against my rookie year, specifically, I remember Deshaun Jackson and AP standing out. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I remember AP and, and uh, Deshaun Jackson. Now. No, just speaking about being, you know, um, drafting in the fourth round, you talk about rookie deals, and just talking about, like, the salary difference. Because I remember asking you this when I still was in school, like, the difference between, like, a, a guy in his second contract, what is he seeing? And you was breaking it down. Like, well, move, you know, it's like 17 weeks, and you were just saying, like, it's a big difference between a rookie deal, depending on where you drafted, and – you know, veteran guys. And yeah, yeah. So the first um, seven rounds, you, you get paid off with signing bonus, mm -hmm. um, but everybody has the same salary. And I think that's still the same way. So like first round, you get a crazy signing bonus. But from being still, a first rounder. Yeah, from being a first rounder, but you still get the same um, salary as everybody else. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's the signing bonus that's like that, the, that, puts the difference between how much money someone makes their rookie year. Everybody signs, for the most part, don't quote me, everybody signs for the most part the same rookie deal. It's just your signing bonus is crazy, um, depending on when you draft it. So that's the difference. So your second contract is when you get the big money because now your salary is crazy now. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I remember guys seeing guys' checks weekly, and mostly everybody in the league gets paid weekly throughout 17 weeks of the NFL. Some people who who choose to go throughout the year, I think that's an option to get paid throughout the year, just so you see income coming all the time. Because you get 17 weeks and don't get paid for a couple Rest months, yeah. people don't know how to manage that. So you have an option. But um, yeah, so people get paid 17 weeks. And I remember some of the checks people were getting weekly was crazy. Like, like what, man? Like, like 300000 a week. Like, you know, that's like, and people were getting way more than that. So my rookie salary was probably like three forty five. Um and so there was people getting that a week. Like, you know what I'm they saying? Give your whole contract a week. Yeah, like your whole rookie salary in a week. There's some people getting that that type of money. I don't know what the rookie minimum is now. I don't know what it was back then, but it is crazy. Around that three fifty between four hundred thousand. Um so it, it's 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 crazy, bro. The second contract is, is real. That's what you shoot for. That's what you shoot, That's for. What you shoot for. Depending on how big it is or how how little it is, you know what I'm saying. No, talk about like you know. You said you spent some time on IR. Was the was the money difference when you were on the active roster and when you was on IR? Yeah. So you have a, a most people you get called split contract. So if you get hurt, you switch to the split contract, which is a little bit more or less money. Not just not a significant difference, but uh, a little bit more or less. There. So, you know, outside of obviously the Cowboys is the place you spend the most time at. You kind of adopted that as like I your. I lived in Dallas for like four years. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you clearly love Dallas, right? <laughs> All right, right. You, I you, love Dallas, the city. The city is live. I had some great time in Dallas. What's your second favorite organization that you've been a part of? Second favorite? Uh, I mean, out of the four teams I was part of, uh, I think Dallas has a special place because they drafted me, right? But I think every every team was unique for their own specific, like you know, reasons. You know what I'm saying? Like Oakland was was dope. Like the fans were were super intense. You know what I mean? Um, Detroit, Detroit city. They, they, I love Detroit as a city. Detroit definitely going into them. You know, people had this bad stigma, but Detroit was super dope too. And the fans are like super wanting. They're ready to win again. Definitely. That's what I felt when I was there. 
and Jacksonville was, you know, was, was Florida. That was pretty cool. We wasn't good at the time, but, um, you know, Duval County is, 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 is dope too. So it's like, I don't say my second favorite uh, organization. It's more like all everything was their own unique experience, and everything is. But the, was the, were, were, were the goals different though? Did you feel the goals made different? Like, yo, we're going to win the division title, or we're going for the conference title. Or we, this is a Super Bowl caliber team. Yeah, you could feel like what winning organizations are like. I wasn't part of the Saints. I remember I was there for training camp, and I remember. Uh, like Sean Payton, you can feel like he, you know he, he has a winning culture. Like you know what I mean? Like when you have established that winning culture, it translates throughout your whole locker room and everything yeah, like yeah. that. Um, Dallas has that too, but it, it, I don't know. It, it doesn't translate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, uh, yeah, and you know, in Jacksonville, Oakland, they were going through coaching changes at the time, so they didn't really establish that. So yeah. So I guess I want to talk about you starting to play in the CFL now. Okay, yeah. Um, so and how and so your last training camp was with the Saints. With the Saints? No, no. I was I got signed to uh, Detroit after that. I oh, say. Okay. Yeah, I would say I got signed to Detroit after that. Um, the last draft, uh, 2014 or 2015. One of those drafts when they drafted Ebron. The tight end Ebron, I remember that's when I got released um, from the from Detroit. Um, so I was, uh, and that's when I started to make the the change to the CFL. So I got released from Detroit, and at this time, like I said, this was like my fourth year. You know, this time the calls ain't coming in. Usually, you get released, you get workouts, boom, boom, boom. So this time, I sat like a couple months, uh, not knowing what like if I was going to play football again. But I, I actually signed a contract with LA Kiss, the arena team, before I signed to Canada to go play for the LA Kiss, the arena football team. And I remember telling myself, like, I'm going to do this one season and close the chapter. Um, and that was my plan. So, like, but that whole time I was networking like crazy. But I remember that was another time I had high anxiety. I was never, like, depressed or anything, but I remember having high anxiety just about like, what's my next move? Like, you know, I have having trouble sleeping and stuff like that. Cause I was always thinking like, yo, what's my next move? Like what am I gonna be doing? So I, I used to go to Mad Networking Events. I used to like try to build up. When I, that's when I started building like my LinkedIn profile and really just trying to like establish myself professionally. Um, but even before that, I was doing internships through the league and stuff like that, which really helped me. Internships in the league, like what kind of positions? So I worked. I worked. I did an internship with the uh, NFL Players Association and Player Services, um, as a, they call it, as an extern. And basically, I worked with player services. So my one of my goals was that was to find out ways to better help players transition after their playing careers, and that's what I have a passion for. Um, after. After. After their playing careers. So that we was one share, thing. We, we share that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, actually like I used that experience on resumes uh, to help me get me positions as well. So um, super, super valuable. And, and, and obviously, you got to take advantage of all that stuff. So that stuff was uh, um, was legit. What was, what was the question? <laughs> question again? Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God! We talk about you trying to get to Canada, dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, you're trying to throw this trash. You need air traffic, bro. Right. Um, yeah. So after Detroit released me, um, like I said, I had high anxiety. Like, yo, what's my next move? What's my next move? 
and they had this uh um this veteran combine. I only did it one year. I don't know if you remember. It's the NFL veteran combine. It was super. It had a, got, it got a lot of media attention because like Brady Quinn took a part of it. Felix Jones. I was training with Felix Jones at the time, and like it had a couple big names in there. Uh, so they were all like, "Oh, the veteran combine, boom, boom," but it went terrible. It was terribly ran. Um, people was running super slow times. It was just like, it, and it was because it was just the whole setup contributed to everything. So long story short, I went through that NFL uh, veteran combine and a scout from Toronto Argonauts was there. And I remember I wasn't really, I didn't really want to play in Canada. I, um, well, in combination, I didn't really know too much about it. You hear about it, like, you know, but it's not like, yo, I didn't know any players that played in it. So I didn't have a perspective on it. Um, but I remember I still wanted to play in the league, right? Like, you know, I'm still trying to play in the league. So, but I remember saying like, yo, if there's any team I would play in the CFL, it would be Toronto. So um, I think Toronto had my rights at the time as well. So it worked out. So CFL, like, um, they're going through CBA negotiations. I don't know. But CFL, basically, they have rights of almost all the players. So they have like a mini job process. I don't know. I got friends that play. They can explain more. But basically, teams have rights of players already. So if, if a player, oh. I don't know. I don't know if it's all through a draft process or it's just I don't know how that works. But so basically, if I ever wanted to. Let's say I contacted like Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I couldn't sign them because Toronto has my rights, unless they like release my rights or something like that. I don't know the specific thing, but it worked out for me because Toronto had my rights, and that's like the team that I wanted to go to. Because honestly, that's really one of the only teams I was familiar with. Um, so, so yeah, so I went through that. What you about to ask a question? I'm trying to get you through this. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to the. So you you signed there, yeah. So that's what you had the passport, all that you had to get all that done. Yeah, I had my passport already. All right, and was was you satisfied with playing in the CFL after playing in the NFL? So I'm gonna tell you, that's a good, that's a good, good, uh, good topic. So, um, so I went to the veteran combine. They reached out to me, Toronto organized my rights. I said, yo, definitely interested. I went to a mini camp. Um, like I said, I was about to sign with the LA Kiss. No, I actually did sign with the LA Kiss, but you're able to play if the if the league is like better or like a step above, you're able to play without voiding your contract or blah 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 blah. So I went to go play for the Toronto Argonauts, um, and I went to a, a mini camp. And the rules is different from regular NFL. CFL is different. You get the receivers get a running head start. Field is wider. Um, yeah, it's it's just different, especially for DB. Yeah. So you have to, all NFL players, most NFL players who go to CFL don't succeed. Um, one, because of their mindset. They compare everything from the NFL to CFL. And NFL is a first-class, top-class league. Nothing compared. No other football leagues don't compare to the NFL. Like, it just won't. As far as travel, equipment, uh, just itineraries, just how you move, you know, all that stuff is just very well calculated NFL and the CFL wasn't like that. So that was that was a bit different. But I knew that I wanted to play football. And that's the only thing that kept me through in the beginning. Because you still kind of hold on to your NFL ways. Like, oh, this man, this is how we travel. This is this is the type of food they serve us. Like these are the workout shirts. Like what? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I only get one pair of gloves. Like, man, I can't get another pair of gloves. Like, you know what I mean? Like 
So if you and I remember being around players who was like way worse than me, who was like going part of that mini camp and just couldn't let go of the NFL because you just feel like you secondary now, like right, like you, you don't feel like you're not first class. Yeah, like people were like, man, what these what like these like. So I remember like the only and naturally you kind of you know I felt those feelings too. It wasn't as strong, but naturally you kind of do because you just like. You reach a certain level and you expect a certain level of this. This is how it is for now on. I'm a professional now. But, um, you know, my first experience with CFL wasn't like that. But my my love for just wanting to play football and close that chapter kept me through. So I got through that. And when I finally got to Toronto and started training camp and stuff, um, and I tell players who, who leave the league all the time to go to CFL, just forget everything you know and are familiar with with the NFL leave that in the U.S. and come to Canada with an open mind. And I promise you, you will have the time of your life. And that's what Toronto was. Toronto Toronto um, was some of the best years of my life. That was the best three years, like, um, some of the best three years of my life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Toronto was was that live and that fun. Playing football in the CFL was that fun. But if you look at the money, if you look at the equipment, if you look at all the other stuff that is – that don't have nothing to do with football. All it does is just drain you of your joy of really enjoying the game. You won't have fun. But once you're able to let that go and push to the side and, and embrace Canada as a new experience and the league as a new experience, you'll have an amazing time. And that's what happened. Like in my first year, there was a lot of first year players on, on that team. Like our whole class coming in that year where we were like most of us were just first year CFL players. So we all came in with a fresh new perspective. And it was live, bro. It was it was live. I just want to. Ask. I still have a group chat to this day from that team that I still that is actively. It's going on five years. We created it in 2015, and it's going on five years. You know, it this point. So isn't it like a, a a ratio of American to Canadian players? Yeah, Canada football team needs a certain amount of Canadian players and a certain amount of American players on the roster and on the field at one time. So. Um, it's kind of unique. I mean, it's 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 turned out to be an unfair advantage for Americans, but at the end of the day, it's a Canadian football league. Which means, like, you don't get as many opportunities. Well, yeah, because you're as an American, you're competing against other Americans. Like, naturally, American football players are better than Canadian football players, naturally, because that's what we do. That's our most popular sport in America. It's not the same in Canada. So, naturally, we're kind of, especially in skill positions, we're kind of better players and Canadian players. So if we if there wasn't no ratio, at the end of the day, American players would take over CFL. Yeah, yeah, it would be more American players than Canadian players. And at the end of the day, it's Canadian football league. And I think um I think that's what makes the CFL cool because you're playing with um Canadian players, which makes it cool. Like do they have like I don't want to sound crazy. Do they go to is it do they have college is college football big there? No. They have college football, though, but it's not a huge thing like the U.S. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know how I they... that was an awful question. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how, like, division go. You know how we have Division One, Division Two, Division Three. But there's a lot of Canadian players who play in the U.S. college football. Okay. Yeah, so I have a, a boy who was Ghanaian, too. He went to University of Buffalo and played, and then he plays in the CFL as a Canadian. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of Canadian players go. There's some Canadian players in the league. Right now, as well, that's from Canada. So, um, just it's just not a lot, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Was the was the money worth it? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, like I said, you, you don't go to Canada, especially as an American player, you don't go to Canada to come up on some money. Like the NFL, you you be like, yo, I'm coming up on money and I'm doing what I love to do. Football, it's like I'm just doing what I love to do. So if you go up there thinking you're gonna come up with some money, you're pro- you already setting yourself up to be mad and for, for failure because that's 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 just not what it is. So yeah, I think the, the money was super worth. I was able to live comfortably when I was there. Um, you know, in the off season, you got to do some extra stuff, but uh, while you're there, you're able to do what you need to do. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, if you go up there thinking you're going to come up, you're setting yourself up for failure. You go up there strictly to enjoy and continue playing football. How did you perform on the field there? I did well. I did well. I uh, Shoot, but last year we won the Great Cup. Shout out to that team. That was super legendary. Um, I played court. I was a starter all, all the years I played. I tore my pec my second year up there, um, which ended up being some of the, the best, one of the best years of my life. <laughs> Because uh, I, I ended up uh, doing like an art show. I ended up doing a lot of stuff, a lot of interests that I had outside of football. I was able to um, to deal with that and, and really dive into that. So even though I tore my pec, this, the team was terrible that year. So I wasn't missing out on team success. Uh, and I was able to dabble. I met a lot of cool people. Like I was, you know, I was kicking it for real. So uh, it ended up being one of the best years of my life too, tearing my pec. So that was, that was lit. Hey, we're enjoying that. We got to talk about sports in the... We got to talk about the ball catching the ball on quads. We got to talk about the ball balls and quads. Yeah, so... uh, Yeah, yeah, Chris Chris Carter's son. Chris Carter's son. He's a uh, super talented player. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Of course he is. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking ball, Steve. Transition into the life at the sports part, man. You know, who's a quasi now, man? Who is a quasi now? Um, oh, Pause. 
like choke it. Go ahead. This boy crazy. Um, yeah. Who am I now, man? I'm. Uh, you know, I think I. I like to say I embody LeBron's motto more than an athlete. Um, you know, obviously I love everything about sports, but man, I've been able and fortunate enough to to be able to to transition. Um, now I work in the tech space as a as a tech recruiter right now, and uh, I'm enjoying it. It feels if you would have asked me. Uh, even a year ago, do you want to be a tech recruiter? I probably would have said no. One, because I don't know anything about it. But uh, two, I didn't know anything about it. So, you know what I mean? So, I, and I got this from a networking event. So, um, anybody who's looking for other opportunities or, or, or thinking, um, you know, you want something else, man, take advantage of these network opportunities wherever it is, whether you find something where there's through people, um, you know, do, do that little extra maybe after a long day of work or early before work. Um, to, to, to go to these networking conferences and stuff. You never know what can happen. That's what happened to me. And I ended up getting a really super sweet gig that um, uh, allows me to be in the tech space and meet all these cool engineers and stuff like that, but also allows me to travel as well, which is I have a super big passion about. Um, so being able to have a combination of both, man, it's been love this past year. It's been crazy. Speaking about all the countries you've been to in like the last like nine months. Yeah, so this in 2019 alone, man, I, I don't know how many countries I hit, but uh, I've been to Australia, went to China, Vietnam, Bali, and, uh, and I think that's it. Somewhere in South America? Oh, yeah, you're right. My man, Chile, went to Chile. So that's five <laughs> five countries, man. It, it's, been, it, it's, it's been super dope. If you would have asked me beginning in 2019, I definitely wouldn't have thought that. So, um yeah, man, I've been able to, to 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 do that, so it's been cool. You know, you have worked on a lot of different little projects, man. Not little. You worked on a lot of different projects. Yeah. Um. You know, you have a passion for a bit of a creative space and photography and stuff. Yeah. Um You had did a book and a series. Yeah. So speak about that process, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. You created a lot of things, I man. I did, man, and nobody really know about that. Actually, the. Uh, Co-creator, we, we we talk about that here and there about possibly letting that go. We did that, man, two years now. Two years ago, we did it. It was called uh, uh, Scar Stories. Um, Live Abstract presents Scar Stories, and basically we we photograph uh, people with scars and allow them to tell their stories. And the pictures are super cool, uh, super dope. I'm glad that man. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, that was super dope. So listen, bro, we the media now. Bro. We the media now. <laughs> Bring up everything. Like remember yeah. when you tweeted that? Jay, uh, Jay had that on the package. You feel me? I mean, eight years ago you tweeted something. You know. <laughs> but um, nah, it was uh, yeah, it was it was super dope, man. With the photography, I was the uh, creative director on it, and um, super dope. I have a copy of my career right now. Um, actually, um, I did it with Anna. She's super dope. She's a photographer in, in um, Toronto. One of the people I met during my time where I tore my pet, um, super cool. She's a lifelong friend, um, and we did that together. So we uh, we we, we talked here every now and then, like, yo, maybe we should let them get this out and, and let people see it because it's super dope. The pictures are amazing. Um, so yeah, that's one project I was involved in. Um, Talk about creating liveabstract.com. Yeah, liveabstract.com was a, a creative uh, business venture that I that I did, and it's crazy bringing it up because people still ask me like, man. Get back on it, um, but I was on it super heavy. Basically, it was a, a, a online platform for artists um, to to be able to showcase their work and, and sell their work. So I wanted to create an online marketplace for artwork. Um, 
to to expose themselves. So uh, yeah, I did that. I created. I went all the way through to creating a site, um, and and yeah, man, just other priorities just just kind of took over. And um, like I said, I, I talked to Mobile all the time about this into the boundary thing. It's just all about starting it right. Start it and do it. And one thing that I see that you're doing that I didn't do when I was doing my business venture is doing it with other people. I did everything by myself, which is as much as you think that's what you need to do because it's yours, like, oh, it's yours. You need you need you need people who have the likewise passion to help you through. So if I did do it again, which I'm starting to think that I am might start restart that up. Um, I already have two people in mind that um I know has the same kind of uh three three people in mind. Oh, you trying to get on? Am I trying to get on? Well, I, I told you uh, the first uh, time. Uh, <laughs> For some reason, uh, you didn't ask me. By the <laughs> way, shout out, shout out the team, by the way. You know, everybody <laughs> holding me down into the badger. I love y'all. Uh, but yeah, man, like any, I feel like those big things like like this or anything, like I feel like once if you have a solid team, that's way more stronger than the individual um, contribution. So um, if I look back on that time, and, and I said I didn't know these people when I was doing it, so like you said, you can't connect the dots before you can only connect the dots looking backwards. So it's something that I might revisit in the future. But yeah, that live abstract, man, it, it's my heart and, and it still has my heart. And uh, yeah, man, it, it was something I went through and it's 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 on the shelf. It's, it's not it's not tucked away, buried yet. It's on the shelf. So, yeah. No, did you know the last time when you when the last time you laced them up and played? Did you know that was your last time? Yes. Great question. Um a lot of people who play professional sports don't control when it's their last game. I knew the Grey Cup. I knew that whole season was, was my last season. So, well, did I know I was going to win the championship? Obviously not. But I knew that last season was going to be my last season. I was prepared. I always I went through um, an interview process, so I had something lined up afterwards. Um, you know, I, I was ready. I was ready. My body was hurting. I turned 30 that year. Um, yeah, I turned 30 that year and I was just kind of like, this is my last season, no matter what happens. Even if I don't have nothing lined up, this is my last season, right? So I knew 100% that it was my last season. Um, after we won the championship, I didn't have the urge to go back out there again. I knew I was, like, I was done. Good you question. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Um, life at the sports, man. That transition just speaks. If any advice you was given to any, you know, athletes, you know, whether it's they finishing in college or they finishing professionally, give them some advice on how to something to make that transition a little bit smoother for them. There we go. This, 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 this is the meat of the questions right here. Um, and I know this is what your podcast is about. Transition um, after sports. First of all, it's a huge problem, um, especially on the professional level. I've been fortunate enough to make it, but you'll be surprised how many people make it to professional level, get done while you're 30, which seems old to this young boy right here. You know, he's <laughs> high school, but as an as an adult, 30 is young. Your life is really just starting. So people don't know what they do after they're 30. And like well, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, putting these kids to um, you know, playing sports at a very young age, their bread and their mind are conditioned to this is what I do. This is what I know. And when you're done physically at 30, because 30 in the sports world is old, um, people don't have the skills. People don't know what to do. People don't know how to think outside their sport. And I think that goes back to the original point that sometimes it can be 
um, more hurtful to the child in the long run than, than helpful because it's only helpful if you make it, right? But I mean, the, there's a lot of life skills taught, but people don't know how to transfer those life skills that you learn from the game into into, uh, Career. into, into careers. And I did a video on um, on LinkedIn, or I don't know if you, and I spoke to the WCU football team, Western Carolina football team about all the skills you learn through playing sports are transferable skills in the real world. And that's important. I'm going to say that again. All the skills that you learn playing sports are transferable skills in the real world. They just, people don't, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you, don't, you don't know that being able to um, work with multiple different people, different personalities to work towards a goal is a, is a workplace skill. You know what I mean? People don't know that be able to work under under intense pressure uh, to 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 be able to get things done under a tight deadline is a workplace skill. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Communication, being able to talk to explain explain different stuff is a workplace skill. A lot of these people don't know that, um, and that was one of the key things I emphasized uh, when I was talking to that football team. So, um, and shout out to them. Um, that's um, hopefully they see this, but if they don't. Um, the staff at Western Carolina University gave me the opportunity to work there um, as a I was a I was a student athlete development counselor, academic counselor, and I was in charge of five teams, and I worked cr- closely with these athletes. And uh, that time there is priceless. But I want to give a shout out to them because typically in higher education, as you know, you know if you the more degrees you have, the better qualified you are. They don't really look at impact. And one thing about all these tech companies, they look at your impact. Not necessarily your degree, that's like foundation, but if you have the impact to do great things or what you've done, that's valuable because that's real stuff. And when I went through it, when I was trying to work in higher education, um, you know, I went through, I submitted my apps, a, a lot of apps, and I went through an interview process and I felt like they look at, oh, he doesn't have a degree or, um, I mean, like a higher a higher degree. I have my degree, but like you know, masters. PhD, masters, masters, whatever it is. Oh, um, oh, he doesn't have any work experience. You know, like of course I was a I was a professional athlete. I'm not gonna have work experience if you play. And I feel like sometimes in higher education people can look at that and look like, oh, he can't do nothing because he don't have no work experience. He, he, you know, what I mean, in Western Carolina, the staff took a chance on me and looked at the impact I can give. To these athletes versus what I didn't have, and I went there, and it was an amazing, amazing time. So I want to give a special, special shout out to them if they ever come across it, because I think that's huge, and um, you know, it, 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 was, it was it was a good experience. So, no shout outs to them. Um, little conversation I want to have because we right here, man. Yeah, yeah. And I lost this question earlier. This is something we double back in. Okay. Hours later. Yeah. Um, about just sports being. So the job market outside is just ultra competitive in America, period, right? Yeah. Job market, the majority of fields, super competitive. People are graduating every year. It's hard to find jobs. It's hard to get your career started. Talk about being an athlete. Athlete is probably the most competitive <laughs> job market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most high stress. Can lose my job. I got cut. I got this. I got that. And you're just talking about. American America itself just being that competitive, whether you're talking about traditional corporate job or workplace jobs in the same way in the athletic space, man. I just 
the conversation I'm just trying to basically I'm trying to have is are we conditioned <laughs> to transition well okay. with how competitive to uh, be, you know, a select amount of us only make it pro, you yeah. know, and like I said, going outside if you wanted to work at Comcast, it's two hundred people applying for Comcast, just like it was two hundred people trying to get in the draft. So are we are you saying are we conditioned in a negative way or that does it impact us impact us negatively or yes. um I don't know. That's a good question. Um I know in the competitive world you know that that's what it is, right? Like you know like going when I go to this combine, I will be competing with mad people. When I go to this pro day, mad people is competing for the same position. So you kinda expect that. In the real world, I don't know if people really expect that. Or equate it like that. Equate it like that. So yeah, in the sports world, when you're trying to make a professional level in all sports, you know that you're going to have to, you're grinding against the best. Like, this is what it is. I'm going to have to perform. I'm going to have to run a faster 40 than this guy. Or I'm going to have to, you know, outperform. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the mindset, right? And you're ready. You're ready for it. Versus the real world, I don't know if that's the same mindset. I think people know it's competitive, but are you, you know, what are you doing to separate yourself? Um, and, and do we do we, we think do we think that people have to give us jobs and make sure we feed our families? <laughs> do we think that? Because it's really just that competitive, right? It's like millennials. You know, millennials are different. That's what they always say, right? We we reset in the workplace and all that stuff. There's a lot of entitlement from when I from when I read about millennials. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's I think I, th- I think it works both ways. I think the main thing, if I were to talk to college grads. Is, is, I think it's all about networking. Obviously, you have your degree. I think it's mostly about networking in the space you want to get into. Right. That has more power, I feel like, than just submitting a random job application. Like, who are you meeting that works in these spaces? And when they have these positions open, are you the first name that pops up? You know what I'm saying? How can you make that be, oh, I want to hire... Uh, I want to hire Lou Moe. Right? Something popped up. Let me send him an email and be like, you know, Lou Moe was the one that pops up. Those are the type of relationships you want to build, and you can only do that from networking. And that's why I'm super big on networking. Like networking is super huge, um, and especially if you have the skills. Um, sometimes it doesn't um, illustrate itself on a resume, but you know you meet people one on one. No matter how big social media gets and all this technology stuff, human interaction is always going to be the number one um, way to meet people. Right. You can tell so much from sitting across somebody and having a conversation explaining, you know, and all that stuff. So that stuff goes a long way. You know, and, and you know, just being around, like I've been on hiring committees for coaches and stuff. Um, jobs just have, you know, companies and schools have the luxury of thinking who they think is the best candidate, you know. Yeah. Like you said, drawing from experience. You know, I want a guy that can come in and just do the job and take it off my plate so I don't have to worry about it no more. Yeah. So a guy like yourself who don't have experience is going to get written off yeah. on a list like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not knowing you might have a greater upside than somebody. Yeah. You might have more of a passion for it than somebody. Yeah, exactly. You know that's why. Right. That's why you're able. You you have to be able to meet these people, um, and and don't and try not to let just your resume speak for itself. But sometimes that's all you all you can do. There's a lot of resumes going. Like what I do, I look at mad resumes and just go, just look at mad resumes. But what so, stands out on a resume to you? Um, all about what they work on. So I recruit engineers, uh, software development engineers. What stands out on a resume is this type of stuff you're working on. Like what what type of stuff are you building? Like, are you building cool stuff? Like the company speaks for itself. Like in the engineering world, if you see Apple or Google or something like the Amazon, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, that's those are the type of engineers we want. But if you break down 
on what type of stuff they're working on, that's the stuff that gets you like, yo, this dude's a good candidate or just, um, you know, woman as well. This, this guy or woman is, is a great candidate, right? Like, um, so it's all about like this type of stuff they're working on. What cool stuff are you working on? What, what type of impact is this person doing? Yeah, versus like, um, you know, you look at the degree, but it's kind of like, there's people, there's engineers who've been hired who don't have a degree, mm. but they're working on super dope stuff. It's like, that's more important, you know, the work history is longer. So, um, so, uh, you know, in, in any, in any space, I think you're trying to get into just highlight what you've been doing. Like, you know, what cool stuff are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, what leadership role are you taking and stuff like that? So, no oh, man. Uh, <laughs> let's flash back to IUP real quick. Yeah, IUP. Let's go. Um, you joined the organization there. Yeah, I'll make a sci-fi. Shout out to them. Um, let's talk about the Edinburgh. You take oh, the, the return, the punt return, and homecoming, homecoming. Break you down, play by play. How you, how you. How you secured that win for us? Because we were struggling. <laughs> yeah, man, that was a, another another legendary time in, in, in college. Uh, basically, he's referring to our return to uh, punt return and kick return back to back, two touchdowns back to back. And uh, the reason why he brought up uh, the bruz was because I, mean, I remember throwing up the hooks towards the fence at the end of the uh, touchdown. Man, legendary, legendary time. Uh, one of my one of my favorite memories for sure. Um, yeah, so basically, man, we were down and, um, you know, we just needed a big play. We wasn't, we wasn't moving the ball, you know, we wasn't doing the things to do. And when you're, when, when you are an impact player, you find different ways to impact the game. Um, and it's funny, I think I could have had three, uh, but I decided not to get the last punt return. Uh, I have to watch the film. I haven't seen the film, but. Um, I remember letting. I remember I was getting ready to pick it up, and I just let it go because it was a short kick, mm-hmm. and I feel like I could have returned it because you know I, you feel like you got the juice, like you know what I mean. Listen, you only was scoring because Kurt was out there laying his body on the line, <laughs> <laughs> laying his life on the line for you, man. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Kurt, man. Kurt was out there laying it on the line for you, ate the whole caravan. <laughs> yeah, that, you know what I'm saying that that play, you see everybody blocking, like, um, yeah, it was a, it was a punt. First, the first return for TD was was a punt. Um, Cop that drone and just broke hella tackles. Yeah, first just, of all, they look like little ass high school. Yeah, it's funny because I re, I rewind it and one of them gunners looks super little. Like, yeah, why are you even trying to tackle me? Like, um, but yeah, man, return that thing and you see the whole whole team going down, blocking it, and that's the type of love that you need to get. Um, no, that was after my kick return. Yeah, yeah. that was after my kick return. That that was. That's what he was snapping, bro. He was Goku, bro. He was like saying four. He was out there. Yeah, that was a that was legendary. I remember going back to the bench and I was dead though. Like I didn't get a picture. I was standing next to Mike Wells. I, it might still be on my Facebook. I remember him when he came up to me, like, bro, you good? And I remember just sitting there, like, I'm tired. But um, but yeah, I returned the kick return, boom, that was easy. And then the punt return was like more like you know, breaking tackles and cutting back and stuff like that. Um, and that was super dope. And uh, and there was one more punt return I had because we stopped them again. And um, I remember them punting. And I remember in my head, like, yo, I'm going to pick it up. But it was a short punt, and it hit the ground first. And I remember I was this close of getting it, and then I just moved out the way. 
And uh, I was like, damn, I should have, I should have, I should have returned it. But it is what it is. Every time you call me, when I answer the phone, what do I call you? Legendary. Legendary, Legendary <laughs> man. Yo, um, I don't know if it was my graduation or Royale graduation, but you know, they 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 built the new center and they got quads up on the wall. Everybody make sure when they graduate, they go take a picture under quads. <laughs> yeah, like I'm at school. That's yeah. fire, bro. Yeah, that's forever forever grateful for that, man. And, and um within the next within the next year or so, I definitely wanna go back and uh say something to the high IEP football team. Uh, not only about football, but like what your power class was about. About you know what to expect later in life. Let's uh, let's plan a trip. Let's yeah, make, for sure. Speak it into existence. Yeah, into the boundary. Let's let's, let's bring it, Coach Tour. We on the way. Um, no, yeah. I just thought of something crazy. Uh, it's off, off, it's, off, off. You finish that though. Off screen, or you gonna bring the second? Bring it up. No, bro. I remember the Coach Sinetti story that you told me. Oh. oh, oh <laughs> You gonna bring that up, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna bring that up. Yeah, no PC on my podcast. What's PC on? Oh, okay, okay. So we need um, the, we need the real. We need the real. Into yeah, the boundary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so what's the question? So, 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 so you didn't play for Coach Sinetti. Yeah. So I didn't play for Coach Sinetti. Um, this is this is Kurt Sinetti, by the way. Yeah, his dad. His dad is legendary at IUP. Um, I heard all about him. I was going there. I think I had. I think I met him once, once or twice. I think he came for a game. Super cool guy. Rory always does his voice. He sounds just like him. Um, but his son took over when I was in the league um, a couple years after. And I went back to IUP. Um, and, like, one of the first things he said to me. So I never met him before. I never met him before. And um, I remember I'm going to walk into the office. And one of the first things he said to me was, like, uh, you know, hey, are you going to uh, – I think he said, hey, we need $25,000 in scholarship money or something like that. He said something crazy. like, And I never had a conversation with him. I was just like, huh? You know what I'm saying? It just kind of threw me off guard. He was like, hey, we, you know, nice to meet you, but we need some scholarship money or we need some money. And I was kind of like, it just kind of threw me off. Like, all right, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it just kept it moving. But, uh, but that's yeah. crazy. Like you to think, like your parents probably never asked you for twenty five k. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you probably never spent twenty five k yourself, like in a one shot like that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like I said, I don't want to quote twenty five k, but I remember it was a number that was just kind of like, yeah, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, you want to build a rapport with somebody. You know, um, I know the name speaks a lot, and, and I respect everything you do. Um, but yeah, I remember that was a that was a funny story that kind of threw me off. Like, yo, yeah, that was, yeah, like you know what I mean. And uh, you do you man as a player, you, you, a lot of people don't realize how many people ask, how much people are asking for money from all different areas, bro. Like everybody's asking for money, you know what I'm saying? So it's uh, people can feel some type of way when you, you don't give it to them, uh, but you, you don't know how many people you you just one avenue. Mm-hmm. There's like people from all from all avenues pulling for money, you know what I'm saying? So um but yeah that was a that was a funny story. I, 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 How hard was it for you to learn no to that? Um it took me it took me quick. I was I was I was a quick no. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> I was a quick yeah I, I was a quick no like no. Yeah uh, you know what I'm saying so it, it I didn't um struggle with it as much and the older I got the the, the more I think once you establish that foundation, the less it happens as you get older. I think people who, who do it early, people are that's what they condition it. Oh yeah, you gonna you know you gonna look out. So um, 
But yeah, that's a that's 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 a funny story. That's funny you brought that up. Man, we getting to the end of this. I don't know if we left anything out. Is any rocks you want to turn over? Anything you want to share? Man, you have some good stuff. There's some stuff I wanted, like some key, just some funny stuff that we were going through things that uh, I wanted to say. But you know, we were talking so much. I th- I think I, I I missed a couple of just just points. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think I think you hit everything, bro. Uh, I don't know, bro. I feel like there's just still some stuff, but uh, I think we hit we hit we hit all. I'm looking at the list of stuff. I think we hit a lot of a lot of stuff. I don't know if there's any questions people would have, um, you know, for me. You know, what I'm saying uh, we, we can't do a Q and A, obviously, but uh, I would be interested to see what people would like to see because I know we probably left out some stuff people want to know about some things. But um, you know, my biggest thing is always about the transition after the game. Uh, I think that's more important than any sports career. That you can have even people who make who made good money are struggling to transition because they don't know how to identify with stuff afterwards. Um, you know, so as an athlete, I always say develop your passion, find a passion outside your sport you're playing. And if you have if if your sport you're playing is all you love to do, find ways after you're done playing that you can stay connected and, and build those relationships and continue to network. Um, Cause it's very important, man. Like I got homies who play at the biggest college schools, who um, who know people who who don't know how to transition, man. Cause these people, these athletes. I got a homie that played at Bama. We're a super good friend of mine. I was in his wedding. Um, you know, he told me when he went to Alabama, it's three years and out. Like I go to Alabama to play three years, and I'm going to the league. Like that's crazy to have a mindset like that. And knowing me at IUP, I'm like. That I'm going to school and getting my degree. I didn't even think league was on the table until my senior year, right? right. So it's it's crazy how people are real like that, but you know, that's how it is. And 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 if just imagine, you know, he was one of the few ones who who, who made it afterwards. Um, and, and even then, you know, people don't have these long careers. But imagine how many players are are programmed to be like this, and when they don't make it, what what, what do they do next, right? right. That's that's when I meant to our original statement how sometimes it can be way more hurtful than helpful when you, when you like you know we put so much energy as parents like I want my kids to play 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 and um, I think that's what I wanted to say so a lot of parents put a lot of energy in putting their kids in sports but don't put a lot of energy in these uh, these different like science and math like technology is is always going to be around it's always going to leave the world and innovation. That's where all the money is for the most part is, right? Like a lot of money's in tech. And you take the basic foundation of science, math, the same, imagine that same energy we put on kids to be in these sports and we put it into these these like subjects, man, it, it would change the, it would change the game, especially for like, you know, minorities. Like we need to be introduced to that stuff earlier. If the same energy we put in that, we could put the same energy in that. And that's what these engineers are doing with their kids. Cause I remember one engineer I went on a trip with, um, both their kids, um, both their kids are are engineers. And I was like, how how did you get your kids into it? He was like, I, she was like, I introduced them to when they were kids. I took them, I took them to like uh, software development camps. Like they have software development camps and like workshops. Just little stuff like that you get them introduced to as a young age. And that's the energy they use as parents to put the kids in. Now they're making very well over six figures, right? Like 
as an engineer at any of these companies, you're making over six. What is success? What is success? I think success is defined on your own terms, not compared to anybody else. Um, that's a hard, that's a complicated question. Uh, it's, not, it's not that complicated. It's, it's, I, what's your definition of success? My definition of success is determined by what you want to accomplish as an individual. And that's not comparing yourself to anybody else. Success is what you feel in your heart that you that you've reached your goals. I think success is when you write down a plan, you write down your goals and you reach it. Um, and even if you don't reach it, what steps are you taking to get? So I don't think success is um, measured by money. I don't think success is measured by how many cars or jewelry you have. I think success is measured about um, your personal relationships, family, friends. I know this sounds very cliche, but, <laughs> but, but it's real though. Like I, I feel like success is, by what you set, what goals you set for yourself individually, you reaching them. Right. So that's determined on an individual person basis. We want to thank you for coming to town. Yeah. And finally coming to do Into the Family, <laughs> man. Let's go. Thank you for doing this. ITV, you heard. <laughs> man, shout out to Lou Bo, man. Keep this going. Season three, you did. You did. Uh, nah, man, I'm proud of you, man, for sure. ITV, let's go. They say you a athlete, shut up and dribble. Finish your career, you stuck in the middle. Figured it out, or you stuck with the riddle. Broke your body down, got stuck in the spittle. Might have had pro dreams, and you made it to the top. Might have make it to the lead, but you made it up the block. They were screaming your name, they were screaming your name. Well, Lifetime dreams to get in the game.